All right. I am grateful to be here. Um, Pastor Dan and Amber Suiza um, invited me a couple of months ago to, uh, to speak here, and it is a joy to be able to see this beautiful congregation, this beautiful community. Less than a year old. I can't believe this. It's amazing. And it's it's pretty awesome to, to, to see how God's been working in your life as a church. Um, to be honest with you, I've been praying for this church since before it launched. Um, I learned about this church sometime around July of last year, that there's going to be a church a plant in the north side of um, Calgary. What is this town's name called? Yeah, I hate saying that, but... When I first drove through here, coming from Manila, I was attending a convention in Banff, and my team were driving through, and we were in two different cars, and our lead pastor said, so, hey, John, where are you at? We're in Baljak. Where? Baljak. Where? Oh, did you mean that? I said, is that how you say it? It's French, Baljak. <laughs> it's named after Honoré Baljak, the great French writer. I'm sorry, I'm just a nerd that way. My major in university is literature and um, communications, arts. And so we learned about Balzac, and it's not Balzac, as you say it. But um, I'm sorry to say that, but uh, filter, John. Um, it is a joy to be able to come here. Like I said, uh, like Josh said, I come from Mosaic Church in Lloydminster, Alberta. We planted that church um, three years ago, and God's been good. Um, to our community. Here's the thing. Our story begins in or on March 22nd, 2014. That's about the same time Pastor Dan and Amber came to Calgary and had a vision to plant uh, Connect Church. But that time, March 22nd, one evening, my friends and I gathered in somebody's basement and we prayed, God, what do you want us to do? And God clearly spoke to us corporately and said, I want you to plant a church. And we started that church, like I said, three years ago, and God's been good. Um, over the last three years, we've seen more than 370 people come to know Christ as their Lord and Savior, and, and many of them getting baptized. And I praise God for, for his grace and his goodness. Now we have an overall constituency of 500 people, and, and our dream, may I share with you our dream as a church, our dream at um, Mosaic is that we would reach 1,000 people by 2019. And we call it 1,000 Stories of Life Change. Our dream is to reach our little city of Lloydminster, 35,000 people for Jesus. And why do we do that? Because we know that life is so much better with Jesus. Can I hear an amen from the people of God here? Life is so much better with Jesus. I'm super thankful for the fact that even though I don't deserve God's love, He still loved me. And He still loves me. Despite my flaws, he loves me. I don't deserve to be leading his church, but because of his grace, I pastor a church, and he's blessing it. See, when I put my faith in Jesus and his sacrifice on the cross, he gave me new life. Who has new life here? Come on, church. I have new life in Christ when we have put our faith in him. He set us on a new course from condemnation to coronation. Can you say that? Coronation. That's your destiny. You are crowned. And I love what Pastor Josh said a couple of weeks ago. Jesus did not sacrifice himself so that we could just survive. He wants us to thrive. Amen? He wants us to thrive. And, and 
the reason why we have this dream of reaching 1,000 people by 2019 is because we want people to experience life with Jesus here and in the future. That's our desire because life is so much better with Jesus. Life is so much better with Jesus. But the truth of the matter is not a lot of people are able to say that. Why? Because they don't know Jesus. They don't know Jesus. These are people who may be strangers or close to you or acquaintances. And these people will never know the beautiful life that Jesus offers unless they hear about it from people who experience it on a daily basis. That's you and me. And one of the things I love about this church and pastors Amber and Dan is that they have the same desire that people will come to know Jesus. That they too will see the beauty of, of life in Him. I love this church now. You guys have the same desire. You speak the same language and same aim to glorify God. So as a church and as individual followers of Jesus, we want to train ourselves to look past the veneer that people put up that makes their lives look amazing. You know, put up pictures on Instagram or Facebook or you know, social media and, and show the world my life is awesome. Not as awesome as yours, though. We put that up just to make ourselves believe that our life is great. But deep inside, deep inside, Thousands and thousands of people walk and drive about the city crying on the inside, crying for meaning, crying for, for purpose, desperately lonely, extremely unhappy. They have money in the bank. They walk around, they look like they've got it all together, but very empty on the inside. You live in an affluent city Calgary, the center of Alberta. But a lot of people are walking around the city and driving around the city very empty. And you know why? There's no Jesus in their life. And like I said, it's our goal and our role to let these people know that life could be so much better with Jesus. So open your Bibles with me to the book of Acts, chapter 3. If you have your Bible apps, open them there and leave them there for a while. And we'll read through it, Acts chapter 3, beginning with verse 1 all the way to the 12th. Um, and then I'll be ending Acts chapter 4, verse 4. Um, but just open your Bibles there as a way to introduce this chapter. You must understand that Acts chapter 3 comes after Acts chapter 2. That's a very smart passage, John. Go home. <laughs> But Acts chapter 2 is very crucial because that's when the church of Jesus Christ was born. That's when the disciples were raised. And the Holy Spirit came upon them and the church began to grow. So Acts chapter 3 is a continuation of that growth. In fact, Acts chapter 2, um, the end of it in verse 46, beginning there, it says, Every day they continued to meet together in temple courts. Who's this? Who's they? The church, the new church that had just been born. They broke bread, had communion in their homes, and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily 
is daily. Those who are being saved. And in Acts chapter 3, you see our Bibles, when we look at them, we ha- there's numbers, chapters and verses. But if you read the original text, there's no such thing as chapters and verses or verse numbers. It's just one big book. And if you read that without stopping, those were being saved. One day, Acts chapter 3 verse 1, Peter and John went to the temple one afternoon to take part in the 3 p.m. worship service or prayer service. It was a regular practice that they did. How do you know that? It says in Acts chapter 2, they always met together in the temple courts. And so at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, Peter and John went to the temple to do what they love to do, to worship. And as they were walking into the temple, what did they see? They saw a paralyzed man being carried into the temple courts. That's what verse 2 says. Each day he was put beside the temple gate, so uh, the one called Beautiful, the Beautiful Gate, so he could beg from the people going into the temple. So obviously begging was his way of living, or, or that's how he made his living, because he was paralyzed. Every day at 3 p.m., people who would go to the temple to worship, to pray, would see this man at the temple gate begging. See, temples and religious centers are some of the best places to beg. Try it one time. You'll get a lot of money. Temples, religious centers. So whether you're in Mumbai or in Bangkok, Thailand, or, or in Manila, or in Toronto, or New York, or London, you will almost always find somebody asking for money at the religious centers. In fact, not too long ago, I was on the steps of the famous St. Patrick's Cathedral in New York taking a selfie. I'm a part of the selfie generation. We all are, right? Taking a selfie there. And then somebody just gave my, my jacket a, 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 a nudge there and said, hey, can I get the change from you? Just a little bit of maybe a dollar or whatever, a quarter, whatever. I said, sure, do you need food? And, and he said, uh, no, just Maybe a quarter or a dollar, if you have any. Are you sure you don't want food? Nah. What are you asking money for? And he said, I just want to give these good people an opportunity to express their faith in their God. I was like, ooh, that's good. That's a good one. I've never heard that before. But verse 3 says, when he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for some money. And the word saw there, is very important to look at because in this verse, the word saw means seeing people in a passive way. Do you ever look at people that way? See, I love, whenever I travel, just going to coffee shops and enjoying my fresh brew and watch people walk by. Who does that? Who the, yay! So I'm not the only creepy guy here. All right, we, we, we sit and we just want to see the action and the, and the interaction of the people around us. And one time I was in Vegas, not too long ago, it was in June, I was attending a convention in Phoenix and I was at this really nice coffee shop in the Miracle Mile Mall. Been there? Been there? A lovely place. There's a little coffee shop there called Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf and I was just enjoying it there. I was working on something in my computer when suddenly there's this group, a group of girls, teenage girls, maybe 18, 19, they walked by. And like me, like I said, I love just looking at people and the interaction. I looked up, and there's this girl, one of the youngest in the group, or at least the shortest girl in that group, looked at me and her eyes met. I was like, dude, you're in your 30s, don't do this. <laughs> it's creepy. And so I looked down, 
I looked up again, and she was still looking at me, and she smiled. I was like, no, no. So they went in, got their coffees and, and their cold drinks, and as soon as they came out, that girl looked at me again, and this time smiled, gave me a really big smile. And what do you do? You don't want to be rude. You smile back, right? And then she walked up to me and gave me a literature. And she said this, hey, I just wanted to give you this. It has a lot of great stuff in it. If you have time, read it. And at the very end, there's an email address that you could contact us through. We would love to hear some feedback from you. And they said, goodbye. And I was like, what is that about? Opened the literature, and it was about Jesus. That girl wanted me to know Jesus. There I was looking at people passively, but there she was, looked at me and intently in the eye because she wanted me to know what she knows. Very interesting. And so in this story, we see that lame person, that lame uh, beggar, looking at people in, just passively, maybe asking, hey, can you hand me some change or some cash or a little bit of something that I could use to buy food with? Generically at the people walking by. But the next verse says this. Verse 4 says, Peter and John looked at him What's the word there? Intently. And Peter said, look at us. Peter looked at the man with intention, with a purpose. And when he said, look at us, obviously, he wanted the person begging to focus on him. And that's what verse 5 tells us. The lame man looked at them eagerly. Why? He was excited. Why? Because he expected some, what? Money. That's what he's there for. When somebody stops... If you're a beggar, you expect that person to reach down a pocket and perhaps hand you something. But that's not what happened. What did Peter say? Peter said, I don't have any silver or gold for you. But what I have, I'm going to give you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, Rise up and walk. Get up and walk. See, this beggar expected people to look at him with compassion and somehow be moved to give him something that he knew or thought he needed. Hey, here I am. This is my condition. My condition prevents me from living a normal life, so support me in my condition. I am paraplegic. I cannot think of any other way to support myself than to ask others for money. Support me in my condition. Sometimes we simply support people in their condition when in reality God wants to take them out of their situation. He thought his greatest and most obvious need was money. But verse 6 says, I don't have any silver or gold. But what I have, I'll give you. You think money is your greatest need? No, no, no. Jesus is who you need. You don't need what you think you need. You have a deeper need than what you think you deeply need. And here's the good news. I have what you truly need. He has a name. 
Jesus. You see, people think they know what they need. I just need a new woman in my life to make me happy. I just need more weed. I need one more therapy session. I just need a man in my life. Ever said that? I've heard somebody say that. I just need a man in my life, sir. Uh, okay. Jesus. I just need one more dollar, one more toy, one more joint, one more job, one more client, just one more glass. That's what I need. And people think they know what they need, but the real need is not obvious to them. So they fill it with the pro- that proverbial empty space in their hearts with things, anything that they, they can get hold of. And fill it that hole inside of them. Because the need is not obvious to them. But it's obvious to us. Peter and John knew what the man needed. It wasn't money. He needed Jesus. And I guess what's so cool about this story is Peter and John, not having anything to offer the man other than Jesus, offered Jesus. They have Jesus. They have what the man needed. You see, the answer to the need of millions and millions of people here in this world and millions of people here in Calgary is not another joint, not another drink. It's Jesus. See, if you have received Jesus as Lord and Savior, what these people need is already in you. Is already in you. Say that to your neighbor. It's already in me. He's already in me. Tell that to your neighbor. Jesus is in me. What they need is already in you. And my mom used to ask this question to all of her children. What do you do with what you have? You share it. You share what you have. You don't keep what you have to yourself. You see, you share Jesus with people. He's what you have. Because Jesus is their greatest need. In fact, the title of the sermon is The Need in You. The Need in You. People don't need just another bowl of soup. They don't need another pat on the back. Those can be helpful, but they need Jesus the most. And when you discover, here's the thing, when you discover the cure for cancer, what do you do with it? You share it with the world so more lives can be saved. You know what could change mankind's destiny, your neighbor's destiny, your friend's destiny. Jesus. You tell them about Jesus. A lot of us wait for our friends to show up in church when we should be the church to them and bring Jesus to the people. And that's what we've been teaching at Mosaic Church. You be the Jesus that people need to see in this world. Because verses 7 and 8 says this, Then Peter took the lame man by the right hand and helped him up. Now you read that and think, that's just a part of the story, but that detail is important. 
Why? Because it shows us how we need to take people by the hand, sometimes literally and sometimes figuratively, so that they can know Jesus. See, God wants us to be his point of contact. We, the church, we want to be the tangible versions of the love of God. This is how God makes his love tangible to the world, through you and through me. And sometimes we need to take people by the hand and lift them up so that they can know Jesus. And as he did, the Bible says, the man's feet and ankles were instantly healed and strengthened. This is a man who had been lame all his life. According to Bible scholars, he would have been 40 by this time. Paralyzed all his life. For the first time, he feels strength flow through his body. And he was able to stand. And the Bible says this. He jumped up, stood on his feet, and began to walk. Then walking, leaping, and praising God, he went into the temple with them. The man who had been paralyzed since birth instantly healed in the name of Jesus and began doing what he was never able to do before, walking, leaping, and this time praising God. He used to go to the temple just to ask for money. Now he's in the temple to worship God. Here's the thing. A person who has truly experienced Jesus will praise God unashamedly. In fact, the Bible says this in the next verse. Verse 9. All the people saw him walking And heard him praising God. He was no longer just asking for money. Praising Jesus became the response to his experience. And more than just the physical healing, I believe that this lame man came to faith in Jesus, which sealed his eternal destiny. Continuing the reading in verse 10, when they realized he was the lame beggar they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Our sound guy at Mosaic Church was baptized last November. Came to faith in Jesus out of a very, very, very miserable way of life. In fact, he'd been to jail. He was a drug dealer. And you see him for the first time, you wouldn't want to come close to him because he said, I am scary. I scare people away. All the tattoos, I'm sorry, those of you who are tatted up. (laughs) Scary tattoos. Came to faith in Jesus sometime in September. Got baptized in November. And now he's our sound guy. And just leading people to Jesus. Last week, one of his friends got out of jail. And he said, you better come to church with me, boy. And that boy showed up. He gave his life to Christ last Sunday. And here's what, his name is Mark. And this is what Mark said. I just couldn't believe what God did to this man, to my friend. I would have never thought he would show up in church. And now he's the one taking me to church. He's the one who introduced me to this Jesus. This man 
when the public realized he was a lame beggar, that they had seen so often at the beautiful gate, they were absolutely astounded. Imagine your neighbor, imagine your classmate, imagine your friend whom you never thought would show up in church coming to faith in Jesus through you. (laughs) They're going to be praising God. No one will ever be able to stop you praising God. You'll be astounded every day you look at that person. It's amazing. Verse 11 says, They all rushed out in amazement to Solomon's colonnade, which is a part of the temple, where the man was holding tightly to Peter and John. Verse 12 says, Then Peter saw this opportunity and addressed the crowd. The story began with Peter and John going to the temple in a routine worship experience. Then they saw this man, they shared Jesus, God healed the man and saved the man, and now the man is praising God and everybody else in the temple are focused on them. And so Peter takes this opportunity to share the word to a greater crowd. Do you see the astounding result of God's work here? That when you're obedient, God can work amazing things through you. God could shake this city up through one church. And the thing is, there are more churches here that believe the same thing. That life in Jesus is so much better. There can be revival in this city. But here's the thing. God moved in amazing ways, astounding ways, in the middle of a routine activity. If you go to the gym every 3 o'clock in the afternoon or maybe 5 in the afternoon, God could work through you in that routine, in that situation, and you will never look at gym ever again the same. Every day will be different. Every day will be great. Every day you expect God to work in amazing ways. And that is what happening. That's what's happening at our church and, and some of the people that are just being touched by the grace of God. And just hearing Josh's story, story yesterday about people coming to faith in Christ here at Connect. Wow. Praise God. And so Peter got that opportunity to preach the gospel to a greater crowd. See, one life that you touch can touch thousands more. You never know the influence that person has in this city. But what's cool about this story is, in the midst of all that success, Peter and John still had haters. Haters. You see, here's the thing. Nobody follows Jesus and not expect haters to come along or show up. There will always be haters. There will always be opposition to the gospel. But just do what God says and love those haters. Love everyone and celebrate God's victory. See, these haters... After seeing Peter and John preach to a large crowd, they put Peter and John to jail for the night. Have you ever been put in jail for your faith? He was put in jail, or they were put in jail. 
But Acts chapter 4, verse 4 says this. Many of the people who heard their message believed it. They believed it. So the number of men, just the men, I don't know why they don't count the women. I'm pretty sure there were more women there. Totaled about 5,000 from one beggar coming to faith in Jesus, seeing a miracle happen in his life. 5,000 believed in Jesus. You never know what God could do through one person here, and this church will need a bigger cinema or maybe build a building somewhere here. One person touching somebody's life could create big ripples. A few verses before that, 3,000 people were added to the church in Acts chapter 2. And here's where I close. See, most people would say it's just numbers. 5,000, 3,000, one person. But I love the fact that God made sure that the Bible is full of numbers. You ever wonder why? There's a lot of numbers in the Bible, especially in the book of Acts with people coming to faith in Jesus. Here's why. Because every number has a name. Every name has a story. Every story matters to God. That's why numbers are important. And just as we measure age and progress by numbers, as a church, we believe that every soul, every person you reach is a story waiting to be told about the glory and the grace of Jesus. See, as I close, I have a challenge for all of you. Do you want people in your life, the closest to you, your acquaintances, and even strangers to come to know Jesus? Do you have that desire? It better be your desire. If you have a relationship with Jesus, that better be your desire. Charles Haddon Spurgeon, one of my favorite preachers, said this. People are either, you know, Christians are either missionaries or imposters. You know what? If you're a real believer in Jesus Christ, you better be a missionary. You better be having this desire to share the word, share Jesus. I have a friend who loves The Walking Dead. Who, lo who loves The Walking Dead here? Like, he's so passionate the walking, about The Walking Dead, he will talk about it all the time. You see, when you're passionate about something, you talk about it. You can't stop. If you have a relationship with Jesus and you're passionate about Jesus, you talk about Jesus. My associate pastor said, if you hang out with me long enough, you will hear about Jesus. He warns his friends that way. <laughs> and there you go. They heard about Jesus. See, I hope that one of, um, all of you would have that desire that if people hang, hang out with you long enough, they would come to know who you truly love. And as a result, they will come to know and realize who they truly need. Is that your desire? Do you want your heart to burn with compassion for others? That you no longer look at people passively, but you look at people intently and say, this person needs Jesus. You see that girl in Vegas who looked me in the eye? She didn't assume that I was a pastor. In fact, I feel embarrassed because I was just there looking at people passively and there she was intently taking a look at me just so that I could hear about her Lord. You no longer see people passively 
every person is a candidate for discipleship. Challenge. Do you want God to use you in greater ways so that more Calgarians will discover that life is so much better with Jesus?